0: Hi there, this is How to Choose, the show that helps you make better decisions and improve your judgment. Thanks for joining us. I'm Tessa.
1: And I'm Ken. Who are we listening to today, Tess?
0: Today, we've got a great interview for you with Coach Sarah Burrows. She focuses on helping her clients manage career shifts and she shares some great insights about her own decision making journey, too. Lots of tips for anyone contemplating taking a leap out of their current role. Let's have a listen. A very special welcome to our guest today, Sarah Burrows. She's a career change coach based in London who helps empower women to pivot from a career that they may have fallen into and are miserable in, into something more fulfilling, purposeful and most importantly, something that makes them happy. Sarah, welcome to How to Choose. Thank you for having me. Now, just to start, just a bit of your origin story. Do you mind sharing with us what your career aspiration was back in high school? And then some of the key decision points you made on that journey that led you into coaching. Because I feel like coaching isn't something that anyone dreams of being when they're they're 17. Yeah, no,
2: I didn't even know it existed until my early 20s. And that's from a background of academic psychology as well. And I had no idea back in 2010 that I was studying that it was even an option to do. So what got my career aspirations when I was 17, I didn't really have any. 17 year old me just thought, well, I like biology. I'll give that go. Same with psychology and sociology. And I'll just see where that takes me. And it was always just do what kind of sounds interesting, even though you're not entirely sure and hope for the best. And then I went to university in Leeds and chose a psychology degree, but it was a kind of slightly different psychology from the normal stuff. And it was philosophy-based for me. So I changed about three weeks in to criminology. So you can see there's been no real process <laughs> really to a lot of my career decisions. It was just, this seems good, actually try that, not so sure, don't like that. Well, let's give this a go. So I ended up doing criminology and psychology in the end, followed by a master's degree in psychology. So it stemmed from really just being interested rather than, Using my strengths or skills, or thinking consciously about a career to to go into as a subsequent result of actually going to study that. Then, well, when I was actually still studying, I was doing my masters, and I was playing a sport in the UK, and I met a girl, and she mentioned a role that was with coaches as a research evaluator, which was part of my studies, and I just fell into it, uh, working on a British military rehabilitation program working with coaches and seeing the transformation that they had with people. As coaches, I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that looks good. Did that for a couple of years as an evaluator and then moved to London to do kind of research and evaluation. Again, just the career decision there was, I need a job. What's on my CV? What can I get? Great. That's it and so just again like had that falling into or into a job that i didn't even know existed when i was in my teens again you know there's so many roles out there that i just had no idea that this was even a role as like, measuring impact for charities which i did for another couple of years before formally training as a coach and doing it as i as i do it now
0: What's been the toughest career decision? It sounds like you've rolled rolled into one thing to the next and it's kind of been a natural evolution, but have any of them been moments where you've really deliberated and you're not sure what to do and you have to sort of sit down and make that really tough, tough call?
2: There's been a couple, but I think I haven't necessarily thought of them as tough. I've just thought of them as decisions and one way or another whatever happens i'll be i'll I'll kind of learn from it whether it was the right decision or not i'm i was made redundant during the pandemic as were many and i had to make a decision there about whether to apply internally whether to you know i just set up a business i was living in london so there were quite a lot of consequences to that decision i ended up working internally at the role within the kind of same organization that i was in and it didn't really work out for me at all. Um, I ended up moving on about nine months later, after realising it wasn't the, the role wasn't a good a good fit for me. So that was probably one, and I think one that many people face. You know, going through redundancy. I've got a lot of clients at the moment that are going through redundancy, and that's often can be quite a tough decision because you're forced into it. It's not all, you don't have full autonomy over making it. But I think otherwise, you know, thinking about this, it's a bit of an odd thing to say, but. It's been investing in myself as career choices rather than actually changing career. The hardest decisions have been <laughs> what programs am I investing in myself? Because if you make an error doing that, you could lose quite a lot of money and time. Whereas when you're making those kind of choices in careers in terms of decisions, you're either going to learn something from that choice that you make, whereas investing in yourself can be really difficult because if you don't get the return on your investment that you're
0: hoping to, it's quite a big decision to make. That's a really good point. And often we don't think enough about training and self-development when we're thinking about our future careers, but they can actually lead you into those career changes. So it can be the training that actually gives you the ability to take that step sideways or diagonally even into something quite different. Uh, so it's a really good point to raise that. When you're talking about career change, it's not just picking something different. Sometimes you do have to give yourself the backing and the understanding of a new industry before you can take the leap. Grow up with the society's notion of
2: study, 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 job. And that's really old, that's outdated. And now it's about thinking, right, like, okay, study, train, work, maybe st- study maybe just train, maybe work, maybe just work. You have to open your brain and your mind to thinking a little bit more fluidly about the the way the careers work now in general. And actually, you know, you've spent however many thousands, however many years on a topic, and you might have done it for 15 years. There's no harm in doing another bit of training to then spend another 15 years in a in a kind of different career you've got a long time in your in your career left I think sometimes that really blindfolds people in terms of making decisions is you know if you're 30 you, you're going to work for another 35 years at least yeah at least and that so training again although it feels like you're like oh, I've done all my studying it's a mindset shift and it needs to be taken because what's two years out of 35 you if you're just doing a course, it's nothing for you to have 35 years
0: or 10 years or 15 years of being happier, more fulfilled in your career. I feel the same in my own career. I've changed significantly three times and I've been studying on and off for the last 15 years. I basically have barely stopped. The years when I'm not studying are unusual, but I love it. Now, What has made you decide to focus on working with women in particular? And do you feel like there's a different decision process between men and women? Generalizing, of course. So I do work with men. I just
2: primarily have worked with women. And a lot of my marketing and a lot of my website is sort of just built around that. But I originally kind of wanted to to sort of focus with women because we hold ourselves back so much. So there's two, there's two real elements. There's one, there's the internal imposter syndrome, women not advocating for themselves. A lot of the work I do is actually somewhat with a layer of confidence building it, underlying it, confidence building in terms of speaking up at the workplace or t- having the confidence to just think that you're worthy of finding a career that makes you happy. And women, we're taught so much from a really, really early age. I think the research shows from it's societally about the age of six, it's already starting to have an impact on girls is don't take risks. And and when you look at the research and it says, you know, you look at parents and mothers and it's a lot of it's subconscious. And in schools, it's don't raise your hand unless you've got something to say or careful on those monkey bars or, you know, we're often being told not to take risks. and so when we get to 30s or 40s instilled in us from early years is this inability to think oh yeah just go and try that you know we're not necessarily generalizing obviously but that's what some of the research shows and i see that quite a lot in terms of women really not fighting for a seat at the table or kind of doubting themselves i had somebody the other day who didn't even realize she'd said it but just blase mid-conversation mentioned that she'd never be in C-suite. Now, part of that didn't sound like it's because she didn't want to. It just kind of it was as if it was something that she was never going to be part of. And I just don't think I would get that with many of the men I work with. You know, the certain themes that come through of working with women. The second thing is careers aren't built around women. And so I'm a huge advocate for helping women to navigate the system. So I do work with women in terms of interview prep, salary negotiations, negotiating your role, all of those things, because A, we don't ask for as much as men in those situations. Um, Everyone knows the the gender pay gap. So part of it is changing some of that as well, but also helping women to sit in those tables where they're dominated by men. Uh, I was coaching someone the other day and we were, we were working on a process to feel less triggered when somebody talks over this woman uh, or mansplains in a meeting. She's in, in those rooms where they're going to be male dominated. And she's like, I just get so frustrated by those situations. That I don't necessarily always articulate myself or react in the way I want to. And so what we're doing is working through that, which is quite common. And I have, have worked with with that in particular, quite a few clients So there's a couple of things that's kind of one is that women doubt themselves so much more than than men a lot of the time. Internally, they don't ask for what they should be asking for, you know, and in terms of negotiating salaries and things like that. And then careers are built around men. You know, the nine to five is built around men. It's not built around women with children and career trajectories taking maternity and you know having childcare, things like that so it's also about empowering women to a move up the career ladder and take control of their careers and also tell them and empower them and that's kind of why I I talk about empowering quite a lot is that it's about empowering women to realize that they can and they just they deserve to be in a job that they want to be in.
0: All very worthy goals. And I think it's wonderful that you're supporting women towards this. Uh, and I know we're speaking in generalizations, but there is just so much research to back up all of these assertions. It's very well documented, imposter syndrome, being less willing to ask for raises and more money. Yeah, it's it's all very necessary. And I imagine your psychology background would be really useful because it sounds like sometimes you actually have to work with clients, have a mindset shift. They actually have to view themselves and their place in their workplace and possibly even in their relationship. I'm not sure if you you coach in terms of burden sharing, in terms of domestic work and child, child work, but I could imagine that would be also related to people's career progression.
2: Yeah. I don't, unless it comes up in terms of if they bring it to a session, I wouldn't necessarily go there at all. There's so much research about all of it and including that, yeah, where women take on more of the responsibility. I've just seen, I don't know if this is true, Spain releasing an app that talks about hidden work, which is domestic household chores and the imbalance there as well. And there's just so much, it's so much mindset work. And yes, the psychology definitely comes into it. So for some clients where it is a mindset shift, it's what are you currently saying to yourself? You know, what are those beliefs? And how do you change those? And how do you work with that? And how do you increase your confidence to believe that? So with some, and what I've got a particular client at the moment, who's just handed in her notice and she and I have been working through changing her mindset and two pronged really. So it's mindset and action because they both, they play such a big role within each other. having the mindset to, for example, speak up in meetings and own your space but you've got to also practice it and action it to reinforce that you can do it. So confidence is sort of actually doing the things that you want to do more of in a way that feels comfortable, but stretches you, not suddenly puts you in your panic zone whilst working on your beliefs and your internal processing system and your mindset about it. So that it's two rather than just mindset, which makes it really, really powerful when you're looking especially this particular situation where it's speaking up more and owning what you're saying and you know not holding back in a meeting because you think what you have to say isn't that interesting or you haven't quite formulated all your thoughts and those kinds of things that mean mean that you get to the end of the call and you haven't shared what you wanted to share because those thoughts have been running around and ruminating and so you have to kind of work with that by taking action sooner rather than later and those kinds of things so there's lots of tips and tricks to build on the mindset work but you have to do both at the same time from my experience
0: no it makes total sense that you're you're learning the skills and you're changing within but if if you're not practicing and you're not getting that positive feedback loop it would be really hard to actually change it yeah could you reflect Mm -hmm. on your average client like what is the thing that's holding most people back from really making a change it's a great question there's
2: two real ones I think one is fear fear of the unknown we're not wired to step into something we aren't sure about and career pivots are quite actually quite intricate there's quite a lot of steps to take if you don't know what those steps are and the order in which those need to be taken in it can feel quite overwhelming so what I find a lot of the time when I get to kind of meeting someone for the first time on a... So I do a free consultation for 30 minutes to understand if, if we're a good fit to work together. And often one of the things that they say that they're already doing is Googling and looking at job descriptions. And then that's kind of it. Then the negative in a chatter starts with, what if I don't like it? Well, I can't do that because look at that job description, look at all that jargon. Oh God, well, that's too far. No, and I'm here and that's over there. Well, you know... And so they—they they, it's often cyclical where they'll go, they'll, do, they'll have a bit of motivation, really bad week at work, go and do loads of searching, feel empowered, get overwhelmed with the amount of jobs that are out there, how to even check what do those jobs look like? What well, if I do that? What if I don't like that either? Maybe the grass is green and then you come back to where you are. Work picks up a bit and then maybe this becomes the new normal of work just being very mediocre and then that kind of just becomes your norm for some people where being a bit miserable, agitated, taking it out on other people, sleeping badly, eating badly, all those things just become life because there's the steps that they don't know. And so the overwhelm is huge. My course is broken down to three pieces. The first is something that people literally never really consider when they get to me. They think they think of this third stage, the missing the first two of understanding who you are doing all that work to know when you find your new job what it is that you want that you can check that it's actually for you that you know that it's the right decision because you've got all that learning and then the second stage is understanding what the job is people kind of don't do that properly they just look and they go okay google that google that google that overwhelm back to where they are and then the last stage is actually breaking that down again the actions understanding the career understanding how you get there and you have to narrow that down so it is quite overwhelming rightly so there's a lot to kind of process if you want to do it properly without worrying that it's you land in a job and you think oh crap and overwhelm in terms of how many jobs there are there are so many roles, and especially with remote working now, the ability to work from anywhere. Because often we used to make career decisions based on location. You'd look in an area, in a radius that you commute to, and that would be how you narrowed that down. Whereas now, because you don't have that, it's sort of very quickly opened up a huge amount more options as well that we never really thought about or, or worked out how to learn, how to find that career that works for you.
0: I could imagine it's very daunting when you're in that job search, but at the same time, so much opportunity to find an even more fulfilling and good fit position for you than we would have had before. Because again, we were stuck by geography, but now we we do have that open, open option. And I'm really glad you talked about self-reflection. It's something we talk about all the time in this podcast, that you really can't make a good decision unless you've actually looked internally first. It's impossible unless you, you understand where you're coming from, what your motivations are, what your values are. You're not going to find the right fit, particularly at the job interview stage. You should be interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. You don't want to just go to the job that you get. You want to choose the one that's right for you. So, all wonderful things and things we've been uh, telling our listeners in previous episodes. So, thank you for that. Now, I'm just curious because I've had a few times where I've gone through extended periods of feeling just a bit blah at work that didn't necessarily necessitate a major shift. And how do you work with clients to figure out if they're just in a rut? versus truly needing to actually pivot potentially in their career.
2: Yes, again, another very one that I get quite a lot actually, because it's difficult. There's no set tangible answer. There's two real elements. One is what can you change that's within your control to bring you out of the rut? Are you certain that this is going to change? Whatever is causing the feeling of the rut, is that going to change? For example, if it's really busy and you're burnt out, is it going to get better? Realistically, if you're really honest with yourself, is it going to change? So that's kind of controlling what you control. I'll come back to that in a second. But the other one is time. How long is a rut? And how long are you willing to put up with a rut? I've moved out of a career not to make a complete career pivot, but I've moved out of a career realizing that it wasn't giving me what I wanted. And I probably recognized that about six months of it that I was like, actually, this this isn't going to change. Therefore, I need to move. And so time is one, and it, but time is, you've got to be really honest with yourself because you can really sugarcoat history and you can say, oh, it's not that bad. Oh, well, I get, you know, I really like my team. Like you've got to put that aside and be really brutally honest with yourself and say actually no this is shit like it just is that's okay but I need to do something about it and often that's the biggest hurdle and again when someone comes to me and we have our initial consultation the first bit I often say is this is the biggest hurdle right recognizing that you're really willing to change the second thing is controlling what you can control so again another client we were She came to me, know that she knew that she wanted to change to some degree, but was was quite unhappy. By the time she got to to working with me, she was quite unhappy in the role. So what we did alongside working through all the self-stuff to change careers is that we looked at what within her role could she influence to sort out a couple of the core issues that she was having that made her feel so low so that was potentially we looked at communication upwards we looked at increasing uh, the projects within her role we looked at a couple of other different things to try and give her some growth give her some challenge give her some variety sort the kind of communication issues sometimes that's the thing that needs to be fixed um and that's more general career coaching for her, it, it wasn't successful. When we came to handing in the notice and we had a kind of coaching session on it, she said, I don't want to make a knee jerk reaction. And so we looked at everything that we had done to change the circumstances internally at her role. And actually by the end of it, we realized that she collectively in our coaching session, she'd done everything that she could do and that still hadn't changed her circumstance. So it's two really, it's the length of time of being in that and, and, and how long are you willing to put up with it some people don't mind putting up with it for years other people it's no this is not working for me I'm, I'm out so time and then controlling what you can control and actually focusing on changing you know you have a lot of autonomy people I think often don't see the amount of autonomy they can have if they ask but doing the kind of thought process bits first to make sure that it's fixing the problems that are problems um, and putting some time and energy into actually working with those. Some of them obviously not within your
0: control, but trying to fix what is within your control can, can make a big difference. And I'm sure it makes a decision much easier once you've done all that work. Once you've changed everything you can within your control, you've given it a red hot go and it's still not working. I'm sure then that that decision becomes so clear to you. Yes. Yeah,
2: exactly. And there's no when I've caught up with that client, same client um, who had an noticed it, and when I've spoken to her I said how, how do you feel about the decision now months later it's, just, it's the right decision No, there's no question about it and I think sometimes that feels far better that we know that we've made the, the right decision but the thought through decision I think that's what a lot of this is the work I do is, is giving people a platform to make sure that they that they've done the due diligence to make the choice not just react not jumping from the kind of I can never get this one right, but from the frying, from the hot pan to the frying pan, whatever, from the fire to the frying pan, whatever it is.
0: <laughs> frying pan into the A fire. A lot of people
2: <laughs> frying pan into the fire. Thank you. I get that all the time from my clients <sighs> and I can never relay it. Back. But yeah, it's about ma- making sure that you're not doing that decision because that's one that we can often think, oh, that wasn't the right decision. And that's where that's kind of gets us back into staying where we are because we're worried about making the wrong decision.
0: And what about you? Are there any big decisions on the horizon for your career? Or are you in a place where you're happy to, to sit for a, a little while? Oh, that's a great
2: question. I I am. So I've just had three three years of my business, two years in a, in a current role. So I am doing some thinking at this moment in time this week and later today about what it is that I want out of the next few years in terms of career progression, career growth, What do I want to explore? What do I want to test? Um, So there are some bigger decisions to be made, at least in the next, uh, or planning out for the next kind of year to two years. For both, um, I do two jobs. So one is working for a charity and the other is obviously running the coaching. So yes, it's always a great time when you get to end of year or mid-year to just check in and say, what do I want over the next two years? And am I working towards that now? Going back to my values, going back to my definition of success and what I enjoy and where I want to be in three years so that everything I'm doing is aligned to that. So there's some, there's some big decisions to be made for the next kind of 18 months, which is exciting.
0: It is exciting. And I hope our listeners have this sense of excitement about their futures, even if it's a decision to stay where you are, but reflecting and choosing that rather than just going through the motions. Thank you so much for your time today, Sarah. If people want to know more about you and your work, where should they go?
2: So my website is achievingambition.com and on there, you can have a read through all of the services that I offer and you can book your free charity call, which is just a half an hour conversation for us to get to know each other and to see how we can work together. And also I'm on Instagram and LinkedIn. Again, Sarah Burrows Coaching or Achieving Ambition on both of those.
0: Perfect. We'll have uh, links to those in our show notes. But just wanted to say thank you so much for your time. I think you've inspired me to do a bit more self reflection about my next steps. I think checking in—it's always good to check in. How how are you feeling? So hopefully everyone out there is inspired too, and excited for your next steps too. Thank you so much, and thank you so much for having me. What did you think, Ken?
1: Well, it was very interesting. I think one thing that I really appreciated was Sarah's comment that we have to be honest and realistic when it comes to uh, the decision to leave a job, uh, particularly realistic about what that change is going to do for us. I think sometimes we can, particularly when we're very unhappy, just make the false assumption that just by getting out and into this new job, everything's going to be wonderful. And of course, we know the old saying, the grass is always greener on the other side. Is that the saying? The grass is greener, the grass isn't greener. Anyway, it looks greener, when you maybe get there, maybe it's not even grass. It's
0: brown and yellow. Uh,
1: that's right. It's astroturf. Uh, so I think that the thing is be realistic and also reflect on how long you're willing to put up with a work situation that you're not happy with. So Sarah, did talk a bit about this. Some people can tolerate a fairly suboptimal situation for a long time, not just in work, obviously in relationships as well. Now, that might seem admirable. You look at that and think, wow, that person, they just are so good at persevering through a difficult situation. But that in itself sometimes is negative, isn't it? You know, you can move into this kind of torpor where, you know, you're stuck, there's inertia, and you're unable to make the change that you need to make. Other people, on the other hand, can be impatient and possibly need to just buckle down and wait a little bit longer. Uh, until they've got a good option to move to.
0: Yeah, the Goldilocks approach. You want to be uh, just in the middle of those two. But if you are unhappy, I think it's also important to realise you don't want to wait until breaking point. As Sarah said, it can take time to shift jobs. So you do need to think of it as a multi-step process. You shouldn't just wake up one morning and decide today's a good day to quit, despite what the movies tell us. You want to approach it with a plan so you are in the best place to find the right role for you.
1: And I think this, this links really well with next week's episode. So we'll be chatting with Aaron Longmoon, who's the CEO of a company, Zephyr Connects. Uh, and that's a company focused on helping small businesses through the hiring process. How do they make decisions about who to employ? aaron has got some great insights to share. And she reflects on a number of aspects of how to choose a job, but then also how to choose a new employee for your business. So make sure you listen to next week's episode. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please send it to a friend. It would make our day, and I strongly suspect it would make their day as well.
0: And we have a new feature available for you to send us some love. Click on the Buy Me A Coffee link on our website, goodbetterright.com.au, or on our socials. We love making this podcast, and we're committed to keeping it ad-free. Your support helps us make more episodes.
1: Thanks very much, everyone. Bye for now.